Today is a big day. It has been exactly one year since we debuted the first episode of the Bitcoin Bulletin Podcast. It also leads into the biggest financial week of the year, with the Federal Reserve getting ready to make its decision on interest rates and the official GDP numbers for the second quarter of 2022 being released. This and more on the one-year anniversary of the Bitcoin Bulletin Podcast. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as financial advice. All views expressed on this podcast are solely the opinions of the host and or any guests that we might have from time to time. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow a particular investing strategy. You sexy sat stackers, and welcome to a very special episode of the Bitcoin Bulletin Podcast. For starters, thank you for an amazing year. This is the one year anniversary episode. I began this podcast on what was then Sunday, July 25th, exactly one year ago today, with a weekend update episode. Since then, we've now done 62. This is our 62nd episode, including 52 DCA Wednesday episodes. And uh, things are just getting warmed up. So thank you to everybody for listening. And thank you for those of us who, those of you who have been supporting us through things like podcasting 2.0, uh, etc. As I alluded to, it is going to be a big week of financial news. This is usually the biggest week of the year. However, this week just might be the biggest week of your lifetimes. Uh, in Bitcoin price action, the calls keep coming in that maybe we've reached the bottom. If you remember earlier this spring, we mentioned that I believe it was Dr. Jeff Ross was on an episode of the Cafe Bitcoin podcast, and he was calling for a bottom in June, which has since passed. He was saying that uh, he was forecasting the Bitcoin market was going to bottom out in June, that it was going to do so before the stock market. And just like after the crash in 2020, when the economy was shut down, it was going to rebound faster than the market as well. Plan B, as you are aware, has posted numerous tweets hinting that we may may have seen a bottom as well, including his most recent post just yesterday asking, quote, was this it? With a chart showing that Bitcoin is back above its 200-week moving average and realized price ranges. Uh, As you know, I don't have a crystal ball and I don't speculate on short-term price action. I still think it is way still uh, too soon to tell. Uh, They say, you know, history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes, and each of the previous four-year cycles had lasted a heck of a lot longer than this. And you just never know with the larger economic outlook, uh, with the world probably heading into recession, if not uh, already in a recession, uh, with things going on in Ukraine, with looming food shortages shortages potentially out there. Uh, God only knows what's going to happen between China and the United States in the coming year. Uh, And, as I've mentioned a couple times, if price doesn't rebound soon, we still may be looking at a price shock from a minor capitulation. Uh, There are a lot of mining uh, ASICs out there on the market, and a lot of companies that financed a lot of those ASICs, some of which they haven't even taken delivery of yet, uh, brand new uh, ant miners, for example, that are still being produced uh, to the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars, all financed uh, based on the value of the Bitcoin holdings that some of these companies had, or just with the miners themselves as collateral. Uh, So 
Um, we may still be in for a price shock from a minor capitulation. I don't think that spells doom and gloom for Bitcoin. In fact, I think that would be an opportunity, maybe even for some of you to get into home mining. Hopefully you can pick up a cheap ant miner on Amazon or eBay if that's the case and stick it in your garage and make some KYC Bitcoin. Before we continue, let's take a quick look at the vital statistics. As I mentioned, today is July 25th, 2022, and we currently find ourselves at a block height of 746,431. The price of Bitcoin is down a little bit since last Wednesday. It is currently ringing in at 21,910 US dollars per Bitcoin. Again, uh, that's down from the 23 something that we purchased at Wednesday on our DCA Wednesday episode. But right in that nineteen dollars to $22,000, $23,000 channel, averaging right around $20,000 uh, that we've been stuck in for over a month now. Uh, and maybe that is a sign of a bottom. But again, if you remember during the 2018 beginning of the bear market, uh, we stuck to $6,000, the $6,000 range for quite a while. And then there was a drop all the way to three. So we had another 50% correction coming. Uh, that is usually attributed to the hash wars and a bunch of other stuff that was going on. Um, but again, um, every bull run seems to have its black swan event. Every bear market seems to have its black swan event. Every cycle seems to have a black swan event on the upside and the downside. So we don't have a crystal ball. It's too soon to tell. One thing that is for certain is you're going to get more sats if you buy today than you would have um, just yesterday, for example. So uh, keep stacking. Uh, buy that dip, for example. Uh, we do our DCA dollar cost average Wednesday episodes, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't be out there taking advantage of when Bitcoin is on sale as well. Again, not financial advice. Uh, so where were we? Bitcoin is currently 21910 US dollars per Bitcoin. That means that you'll get 4564 sats per cuckbuck. That is up from the 4288 you would have gotten just on Wednesday. So again, Bitcoin is on sale. Woohoo, that is always awesome to see. If you want to trade your shiny yellow metal rocks for Bitcoin, it is going to cost you 12.7 ounces of gold to buy just one Bitcoin. And if you are looking for a absolute food security comparison, one Bitcoin will purchase you 1,313 Ooh, that's an unlucky looking number. 1313. 1313 Papa John's pizzas. That will feed a family once a day for 3.59 years, all for just one Bitcoin. So if you're looking for security, there's some food security for you. The price of oil is a little bit more expensive than it was last week. Uh, one Bitcoin will get you 213.5 barrels of oil or at a rate of 468,266 sats per barrel. That's up quite a bit from the 218 barrels of oil you would have gotten for just one Bitcoin on Wednesday. Um, but that is a fluid number because, <laughs> no pun intended, because in addition to the price of Bitcoin being down against the US dollar, the price of oil per barrel is uh, up. Well, it's actually down a bit as well. It's been up and up. It was down as low as $99.57 a barrel, and uh, then it was up to $106 a barrel again just last Wednesday. And I guess it's if you want to buy oil with cuck bucks, it'll cost you $102.60 per dollar or per barrel for Brent crude uh, at this moment. 
But in Bitcoin terms, one Bitcoin will get you 213.54 barrels of Brent crude. The market capitalization of Bitcoin is down a tiny bit as well, obviously, with the price being down. Uh, Bitcoin is ringing in with a market cap of $418.5 billion, still above $400 billion, but significantly below that $1 trillion mark that we hit when Bitcoin was at its all-time high. The mempool is a little bit clearer than it was on Wednesday, but that is not surprising considering it is fairly early still on Monday morning. Currently, there are two blocks worth of transactions pending in the mempool. Obviously, one sat per byte transactions will still clear within a day. In fact, I sent a transaction just uh, last night for one sat per byte, and it cleared within about two minutes. However, the fee estimators are saying that if you want to guarantee that your transaction is included on-chain in the next block, they're recommending a nine sat per byte transaction to guarantee that. The metric you know I like to follow, it's also a little biased because it's not Wednesday, so it's not really fair to compare transaction volume midweek with early in the morning on Monday. But the 24-hour transaction rate, the on-chain transaction average, is down to 2.38 transactions per second, well below that three transaction per second mark I like to see on-chain as an indication of uh, healthy on-chain activity. Again, one day on-chain activity would probably be very low on purpose because hopefully people will be using the Lightning Network or other second layer solutions and only huge transactions will be settled on chain, maybe just between uh, financial financial institutions or large international moves uh, of Bitcoin. And of course, putting your Bitcoin into your cold storage. Uh, But nonetheless, I like to see it above three transactions per second. That usually indicates a healthy market to me, at least in the time I've been following that metric, and we are currently down to 2.38 transactions per second versus 3.08 on Wednesday. Since we've spoken, we had a difficulty adjustment, a decrease in the difficulty to mine Bitcoin of 5%. That is a huge difficulty decrease, although it is nowhere near as large as the decreases we saw when China banned mining a year ago. And of course, the network absorbed that like water off the back of a duck. As you know, Bitcoin uh, adjusts the difficulty to mine a block every 2016 blocks, which is theoretically every two weeks. Um, But basically the goal is that a new block should be found on average every 10 minutes. And because the amount of people competing to find the next block changes, the number of uh, ASICs out there, the number of miners, the amount of computing power dedicated to securing the network changes, um, it almost never comes in at exactly 10 minutes. So in order to do so, the difficulty to find that block changes, and we just had a decrease, like I said, of 5%. We're 1,505 blocks away until the next mining difficulty adjustment. That's only 500 blocks or so in, less than a quarter of the way into this epoch. So it's kind of too soon to tell. And as a result, the estimates are that there will be anywhere that the that will be that we'll we'll see anywhere from an increase of 1.1% in difficulty to a decrease of 1.93%. Uh, We won't know until we get a lot closer whether it'll be an increase or a decrease. Again, we're about 10 days away, uh, any way you slice it. But currently, blocks are averaging 9 minutes and 51 seconds as difficulty epic. That is obviously faster than the 10 minutes uh, that Bitcoin targets. So if it does continue to come in uh, at a 9 minute, 51 second average, we would see a difficulty increase, which wouldn't be surprising uh, since we've had such a large decrease just a couple of days ago. 
Real quick, I want to say thank you for those of you listening on your favorite podcasting 2.0 apps. We are available on your favorite podcasting 2.0 platforms such as Fountain and Breeze Wallet. We do have a few of a few of you out there who I know have been listening via podcasting 2.0 because you're streaming a sats. And uh, thank you very much for that. Although we haven't received any boostergrams in a couple episodes, as you may or may not be aware, if you listen on your favorite podcasting 2.0 app, it allows you to support your podcast, your favorite podcasters directly, either by streaming sats at a fixed rate, like say one Satoshi per minute or whatever you feel is a fair uh, tip, basically what the value for value model, what you feel is a fair value for uh, the information that you are receiving or the entertainment you're receiving from listening to the podcast. Uh, and there's also a boostergram which you can send, and that's a one-time deal. It's kind of like kind of like you can smash by Bitcoin. This is a smash tip, basically, and it allows you to send a one-time tip once or twice or however often you want. But uh, if you're particularly enjoying an episode, you can do so. But more importantly, it is sent as a message via the Lightning Network. So uh, you can tell us what you think if you really appreciate the episode or you just want to say hi, you can send us that boostergram message. And uh, as we have done in the past, as long as it isn't anything inappropriate or a commercial shill, uh, we will read your messages on the following episode of the Bitcoin Bulletin podcast. So if you're listening and you're, and you're, and you're, you're liking what you, ha- what you hear, if this is entertaining you, if you just want to support us and you send us a boostergram uh, and uh, let us know, by the way, whether you want us to read it or not, by the way, if you if you don't want us to dox, you don't include your name, uh, don't put anything you don't want us to read, or if you just want to say hi, let us know. Please don't read this on air, because otherwise, if it's not inappropriate and you do send us Boostergram, we will read it on the next episode. All right, on to the financial news. As I said, it is going to be a big week of financial news, beginning tomorrow, Tuesday and Wednesday, with the next Federal Reserve meeting, the next policy meeting, at which it is widely expected that the Fed will announce that it is raising interest rates another 75 basis points. That's 0.75%, so just under a 1% increase. To put that in perspective, though, according to CBS News Money Watch, quote, every 0.25 percentage point increase in the Fed's benchmark interest rate translates to an extra $25 a year in interest on $10,000 in debt. So Wednesday's 0.75 percentage point increase means an extra $75 of interest for every $10,000 in debt. Uh, And besides the fact that that's going to increase your credit card rates, your mortgage rates, and the cost of borrowing money in general, uh, the Associated Press is reporting that interest rates in the interest rate increases have already had a negative effect on the housing market with the headline, quote, housing market chills as mortgage rates prices scare buyers. According to the article, the rise in mortgage rates has increased a typical borrower's monthly payment by 44% since the beginning of the year. Since the start of the pandemic, the average mortgage payment has doubled to more than $2,100. The report continues, the number of Americans applying for a mortgage is down significantly from a year ago. Weekly mortgage applications tracked by the Mortgage Bankers Association are down roughly 50% from a year earlier. Uh, While the Fed has stated that their intention in raising rates is to cool the economy, one of the things that was red hot in the economy was the housing market with housing prices, real estate values absolutely soaring uh, as investors were uh, were looking for stores of value and Americans were looking at uh, cheap mortgage rates and being able to buy more, previously being able to buy more home for the money with rates near, you know, historic lows. 
and that has obviously come to a screeching halt. So congratulations, Fed. You have already achieved your goal as far as that is concerned. Continuing the big financial news week, on Thursday, we get the official advanced estimate of second quarter GDP. As I previously stated, I think they're going to do whatever it takes to massage this number to show uh, at least moderate economic growth, something minuscule, but anything other than a decrease in GDP, anything, even if it's just flat, even if it's just zero growth or 0.1%, they're going to do whatever it takes. Um, and especially during election year, remember, they, they get to revise this number multiple times. It will be revised two or three times before the November midterm elections in the United States. Uh, and they even get to revise it again years later. So they can lie and they will lie. Uh, and they will. the likelihood is uh, they will probably show something, anything, to show that we're not officially in a recession. Although to the average American out there, it certainly feels like we already are. Uh, and uh, if you are honest, we probably already are. Along those lines, as reported by Yahoo Finance, economists surveyed by Bloomberg are forecasting the report will show GDP increased by half a percent in the second quarter of 2022. That would give them what they need to say we're not in a recession. It would also give them support for their thesis of continuing interest rates increases increases because if they had already tipped the country into a recession, um, the smart thing to do would be put the would be to put the brakes on those interest rate increases. Uh, but uh, that is not likely to happen. Remember, the estimates from the Atlanta Fed have been forecasting that we're already in a recession. According to a report on CNBC just July 1st, the Atlanta Fed's GDP now gauge sees sec- the second quarter running at a negative 2.1%. And that is probably realistic if you're looking at the cost of groceries and just how expensive everything's gotten out there. Uh, and if you're looking at the what the unemployment numbers uh, are up unexpectedly just last week as well, and in addition to the unemployment being up, the unemployment, again, that's a that's a fake number as well, too, because the unemployment numbers are only people that are filing for unemployment insurance, and you're only allowed to be on unemployment insurance for a limited amount of time, uh, and they usually weight that with new first-time filers, not people that have been on it for a while, because, you know, they did extend unemployment benefits under the stimulus legislation, but... The real number is the uh, is the workforce and the the labor participation rate, and that is at one of the lowest rates we have ever seen. There's a lot of people out there that just are not trying to find work; they don't want to work or they can't find a job, and that is not included in the official unemployment numbers. So, if you look at the data out there, and if you're out there buying groceries, if you're out there putting gas in your tank or trying to buy a house, uh, you can already feel the squeeze, and it already certainly feels like we're in a recession. Again, the official definition of a recession is two or more consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. Uh, we already had negative GDP growth officially in the first quarter. So if we do get a negative number on Thursday, that will mean we're officially in a recession. But it's kind of silly because it will mean we'll have been in a recession since January because it looks backward six months. So we'll see. And again, it doesn't really matter as far as the average person's day to day goes, whether they call it a recession or not. Uh, you know that the economy kind of sucks. Uh, some people it sucks worse than others, but even even if you've got a good job and you have a house that you you know already have your mortgage on and you're not you're not you're not you're not going to be squeezed by increasing mortgage interest rates, uh, your dollar is as Michael Saylor called it a melting iceberg. Your your savings are depreciating. You know your purchasing power is going down by nine point one percent as of the last uh, inflation CPI numbers. So. Um, 
if they want to slow down the economy, they're definitely getting they're definitely getting their wish. Also remember just last May, Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell said, quote, nothing about the economy suggests that it's close to or vulnerable to recession. So if we do officially end up in a recession on Thursday, that won't be the first thing that Jerome Powell got wrong. As you recall, he said that, um, you know, when he was meeting with European central bankers just a couple weeks ago, that he didn't realize uh, he, he didn't realize just how little he really knew about inflation and what causes inflation, basically. Uh, so uh, they've been wrong about that. You know, first there was going to be no inflation, then it was going to be transitory. Uh, then it was supposed to dip and it did not, of course. Um, and now everyone's forecasting that we're going to see continued inflation at least through next year, maybe tapering down to their goal of 2% inflation by 2024. And that's without, um, that's without, that's without hyperinflation spiraling out of control, which I think is certainly a distinct possibility. So, at first, Jerome Powell said just last May that there's nothing to indicate that we're vulnerable to recession. But then just uh, less than a month ago on June 29th, he said, is there a risk that we could go too far with rate hikes? Certainly there's a risk, Powell said when speaking to the European Central Bank Forum on Wednesday. The bigger mistake to make would be to fail to restore price stability. And um, well, that ought to tell you everything you know right there. They know what they're doing. Uh, they are trying to reinforce a recession, and they're telling you that that is their priority. The bigger mistake would be to fail to restore price stability. So there's a risk of recession, but basically we have to do whatever it do takes to get inflation under control. Um, that's a whole load of hooey anyway. I mean, don't forget this is all a dog and pony show. They know exactly what caused inflation to soar, and they did this on purpose. Remember all that money printing they did in 2021 and 20, in 2020 and 2021? Well, just yesterday it was reported in uh, Yahoo Finance that former Fed Vice Chair Alan Blinder gave us a pretty big hint as to what is to come when he said, quote, monetary policy impacts inflation with very long lags of perhaps two to three years. So let's do the math here. That's the end of the quote. This is me speaking out. Let's do the math. The first huge stimulus bill rolled out in the beginning of 2020 so two to three years later, we should start to see their impact. And we have 9.1% inflation. Weird. Reminder, the economist Milton Friedman said, quote, inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon in the sense that it is and can be produced only by a more rapid increase in the quantity of money than in output. So basically, we expanded the money supply it takes about two to three years to see that that's effect on inflation. And it's two to three years later, and we have inflation. And by that math, uh, we're going to have another year for all the inflation from just the first round of, uh, of stimulus to play out. And again, you know, we did uh, multiple stimulus bills uh, printing all the trillions of dollars. So um, if former Fed Vice Chair and Milton Friedman are correct. Uh, we've got another solid year of soaring inflation before uh, that comes under control. And again, that has nothing to do with interest rates. That's purely a result of all that money we printed. All right, so the speculation is, or has been, is the Fed going to back down, the so-called Powell pivot? 
all the talking heads and influencers, even before uh, inflation surged to 9.1%, even before the Fed jacked rates up by 75 basis points, were saying that basically the Fed was going to raise rates aggressively at first, and that that would give them some room to change course and to cut rates to keep the markets propped up, to keep the stock market from crashing, to keep the economy from falling into recession. Kind of like the taper tantrum in 2013 when the Fed attempted to taper its policy of quantitative easing. Uh, they raised rates a couple times, attempted to, uh, attempted to taper off QE, and the market crashed. And so they immediately reversed courses, and we've been in perpetual QE ever since. However, as reported again by Yahoo Finance, instead of cutting rates, the Fed will likely raise them to 5% or higher next year to try to bring price pressures to heel. Uh, further continuing that, that will help precipitate a contraction that increases unemployment to about 6% from 3.6 now, but leaves inflation above, 3 point, uh, above 3%. There it is again. The goal is to slow the economy and to increase unemployment. Their goal is to increase unemployment, almost double unemployment from the current 3.6% to 6%. Uh, remember the scene that everybody likes to talk about in the big short, the don't dance scene where Ben Rickert says, you know what I hate about effing banks? It reduces, it reduces people to numbers. Here's a number. Every 1% unemployment goes up, 40,000 people die. Did you know that? Uh, and while that's a movie and it is based on a true story, but you know whether that was actually said in real life, um, who knows? But uh, since that movie came out, that quote has been popular and people have actually looked into it. As uh, Yale University reported in their report on unemployment and mortality, in the largest study of its kind on mortality patterns in Europe and the United States, a Yale researcher has found a direct correlation between unemployment and mortality. This is further borne out by a report by the Mises Institute called Death and Unemployment, which they wrote in May of 2020, which looked into the truth behind this quote, inspired by the movie, and found a 12% increase in suicides in 2009 linked to the financial crisis. So the big short was based on a true story, but as with all things Hollywood, it is highly fictionalized as well. Um, but that quote bears out. If you look at the Yale University report and the Mises Institute report, um, the financial crisis gave us a 12% increase in suicides alone in 2009. So keep that in mind when they tell you that their goal is to raise unemployment to 6%, that their goal is literally to kill people. People are going to die, and they're doing it on purpose. All right. Well, over the last year, we've done a lot, and the majority of what we've done is we met every Wednesday, and we've contributed to our DCA stack. If you haven't been following us, or if you don't know what DCA is, DCA is short for Dollar Cost Averaging, and Dollar Cost Averaging is an investment strategy where you invest your money in equal portions at regular intervals, regardless of price. And to illustrate that, we chose to invest $20, and we chose to invest $20 every Wednesday. We did that for a couple reasons. The first reason is I wanted to show that even investing as little as $20 can make a difference, that it will build your stack of Satoshis. Uh, and we wanted to test out whether or not the dollar cost averaging strategy was the smartest way to invest. Uh, or, you know, again, not financial advice. This is, uh, but we did, I do, th I do think we've gained some valuable knowledge. And if nothing else, hopefully it's been entertaining. 
Our first episode was, our first DCA Wednesday was Wednesday, July 28th. Uh, and on that day, we invested $20, and we did so when Bitcoin was at a price of $39,716.40, but with fees that made our purchase have a average cost basis of $40,630.59. Over the course of the year, we stacked 52 times, that's every Wednesday in the year, and we stacked a total of $1,040, of which about $22.95 were fees. That got us a stack of 2,637,198 Satoshis, uh, and that is a significant chunk of sats. Hopefully, when Bitcoin, uh, when we see hyper Bitcoinization, when more of the world is using Bitcoin, having 2.6 million sats will put you in a, will definitely put you in the upper percentages of net worth in, uh, in the world if that, if that, if that pans out as many people believe it will. So, uh, for as little as 20 bucks a week over just one year, we've already stacked 2.6 million sats. So I think that's proven that um, when people ask, is it too late? Uh, is, 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 if I only have $100, uh, if I only have $500, is it even, is it even worth it? Well, we, we invested only $20, but we did it every week. And over the year that got us uh, that investment, we invested a total of $1,040 which to most people listening, all of a sudden, uh, I only have $100, might not seem like a lot, but I only have $1,000, all, all of a sudden that's starting to sound like real money. So while it's too soon to tell, dollar cost averaging and Bitcoin are all long-term investment strategies, long-term plays, uh, we're already starting to see uh, a picture painted here by our little experiment. And it's a positive one. Again, we did our first purchase, just under $40,000. And during that time, we rode all the way up to the all-time high. We purchased as high as 65969 and then we've subsequently rode it all the way back down, purchasing as cheap as $19,949. But what that did is it scored us our stack at an average cost basis of $39,435.80, and that is $1,194.79 less than if we had just yellowed the whole $1,000, the whole $1,040 on that July 28th. So... If you had $1,000, $1,040 on July 28th, and you just YOLO'd it all in and made one purchase instead of DCAing, uh, we're doing better than you um, by a significant margin. Our, our average cost basis is $1,194 less than, than it would have been if you had YOLO'd. So, um, and that's because the old saying is, you know, time in the markets beats timing the markets every time it's tried. Uh, and again, hopefully over the long term, we're going to continue to pick up uh, some more cheap Bitcoin at these lower prices. And hopefully if it doesn't spike before Wednesday, we're going to drive that average cost basis down even further. Hey, if you've been listening to the show and you enjoy the show and you want to uh, and you do want to support the show, you can do so in a number of ways. First of all, please follow us on Twitter. On Twitter, we are at BTC Bulletin Pod. And we do have tipping enabled, so you can tip us on Twitter if you so desire and help and want to help support us that way. Please also subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can find video versions of this podcast. I put those out a little bit later because I, I like to go back and put up some of the graphics and some of the quotes that I'm talking about um, and, and make the video worth watching in video form. So if you prefer to watch a video, uh, don't forget to follow us on our YouTube channel. Again, links to uh, our all of our contact information, including our YouTube channel, are below in the show notes. And again, if you feel so inclined, you can tip us via Twitter. You can also support us directly through anchor.fm. There's a support link in the show notes or a support link at our podcast 
site, our podcast page on the Anchor.fm website. Again, listening on your favorite fountain or in your favorite podcasting 2.0 app, such as Fountain App or Breeze Wallet, would allow you to support us on a show by show basis or on an instantaneous basis with those boostergrams. Uh, you can also support us by using any of the by any either of the referral links in the show notes. As you know, when we do our DCA stack, we've been doing so using the Cash App. We do have a referral code in the show notes that will get you five bucks just for signing up if you don't already have the Cash App. And if you click on that referral code, if you prefer to use Strike or you want to use Strike as well, we also have a Strike referral link in the show notes that will get you ten dollars for signing up, uh, and we'll get ten dollars as well. So that's cool. Either of those will get you free money, and we'll get some cash as well. It'll help you. It'll help us, and we'd appreciate if you did so. Uh, also, I've written several books, but the one that's most pertinent to this show is Understanding Bitcoin for Noobs. That is just as it says. It's a very short book. Uh, it's just it's almost a pamphlet, really. It's a primer. It isn't anything as heavy-duty as um, as what Andreas Antonopoulos or Safety and Amoose has written. Nothing technical. It is literally uh, a guide to understanding Bitcoin for noobs. Uh, if, you are, if you are a noob and you want to learn the basics... Uh, that certainly covers it. Or if you want to help Orange Pill friends or family, uh, it is a really simple guide in plain English, and it won't take all week to read. Uh, and that is available on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. And obviously, if you purchase any of my books, that will help support the podcast as well. Finally, we have a Base32 address in the show notes if you'd like to contribute Bitcoin directly on chain, or if you're watching the video version of this podcast, that is that QR code on the bottom left-hand corner. And you can use that to tip us Bitcoin directly on chain. Again, if you want to reach out to us, you can contact us on Twitter. We are at BTC Bulletin Pod on Twitter. Or if you'd like to send us an email, our email address is BitcoinBulletin at ProtonMail.com. Don't forget to join us this Wednesday and every Wednesday when we consider our when we continue our DCA adventure, when we continue to dollar cost average, continue to build that stack, continue to stack those sats. But until then. Keep on stacking those sats, you sexy sat stackers.